Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and myself. Uh, let's talk about the rise of the Raiders. Now, they have now sit in seventh position. They've won five in a row. Uh, they haven't lost a game since that thrashing by the Panthers, 53-12. to 12. What, do you, what do you reckon about the Raiders, Smith? Are they a genuine, you know, are they going to be that battler side that makes it tough for teams? Or do you think that they could generally build towards a title push this year? Yeah, look, I, I think they can certainly um, be a force. Will I go as far as saying, could they push for a title? Oh, it doesn't look likely. It, it doesn't look particularly likely at the moment when you when you look at some of the other quality football sides. But this season is so close. Um, it's really hard to sort of point a finger at, at one team. At the moment, you'd probably just say South. Mm. Like they're, they, they're, they should be premiership favourites. But, you know, with how up and down the season has been, you know, premiership favouritism changes every fortnight. Mm. It was the Broncos for a little bit and then, you know, the Panthers – yeah, you know, they come good, and then you say the Sharks, and then they they lost, a, they dropped a couple of games that they should have won. Now it's the Rabbitohs. So we've had you know three or four sides sort of put their hands up at the moment, but you can't ignore the the Raiders. They've just been they've half flown under the radar, haven't they? Oh, massively with the, with the way that they're going. So I think they've got the is it the equal longest streak with South or South won six? I think South won six. Yeah, I think they've won six. So you know. Winning five, and, and we've we've mentioned this on the show before, Kempi, whenever you can string, you know, sort of three-plus wins together in this competition, it skyrockets you up the ladder very quickly, mm. very quickly. Like they're, they're, they're sitting um, – they're sitting – well, they're sitting seventh on four and against. But, like, they're, they're 14 points on the table. So are Penrith, who are sitting third. So, you know, the, the goal should just be, hey, listen, let, let's just keep winning. Let's just keep winning. And someone above us, they'll, they'll have a loss. They'll have a loss like they, they're, they're bound to. Mm. You know, you look at – well, look, look at this weekend, the matchup between Dolphins and Melbourne. They're, um, they're both sitting above Canberra at the moment, fifth and sixth respectively. One of those teams are going to lose. Well, mm. you'd think so. Highly unlikely it's going to be a draw at the end of the game. But, um, you know, so – Canberra, if they win again this week, up they go. They just continue to climb. And they play that style of footy. And I know you know our, our listeners are probably thinking, yeah, I've heard this all before. But for those that haven't heard it, they play that style of footy that, you know, when they get their little groove going, they drag opposition teams down to that that grindy style of footy that a lot of a lot of teams aren't comfortable playing in. Mm. And they that's when that's when they get the best out of themselves. I got to say, it's such a testament to the organisation in regards to everything that's happened this year. If you just read yeah. the headlines and you didn't watch the games of rugby league, you would think that the Raiders are at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. It's a disaster. <laughs> the whole season is over. Yep. And I just think it's such a credit to CEO. I think it's Ferner, obviously Ricky Stewart as a coach. Mm. You know, it was only a couple of weeks ago that they lost their absolute heart and soul of the club, and they are now five in a row during that period. That's a sign of a really strong club. And I think that it shows Ricky's matured as a coach. Obviously, the club is maturing. Whereas I think Raiders of yesteryear, even pre-grand final, I, I, I mean, it might be a bit harsh to say, but I think that they completely implode if something like this happened at the start of a season. But they're actually sitting yeah. in a better position than they were last year, even though all the dramas happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember it was funny. 
was speaking to I was speak, I don't know if I was talking on radio or just in conversation with with people around the Gold Coast, but they were talking about the Raiders and oh mate, like how bad are they going? It, was, it might have been after the first month or five weeks, and um, you know I said, well, hey, listen, like, don't don't write them off too early because if you remember just back to last year, Kempi, they they had a pretty ordinary start as well, and then this season again, they won one game in their first five, and of course that 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 last loss that they had was. You know, it was an absolute hiding against Penrith where Ricky Stewart come out and said, you know, he's highly embarrassed um, of his team's performance. And he pretty much apologised to the fans that come out that day and all the members that support the club. But since then, they've turned it around and haven't, have not dropped a single game since. Mm. So um, I think that sort of coincided, funnily enough, with Jack, the Jack White announcement mm. that, was, that he was going over to the, the, the Bunnies next year. So whether it whether it is a, a bit of a you know a point to you know help send Jack off um, in his final year at the Raiders that may play a small part. I think the loss to Penrith where they were they were extremely embarrassed with their performance. I think that's played a small part as well. But they've just found themselves in this this sort of I don't know this this groove at the moment where they they've got a lot of things right and they've found a game plan that's working against most teams. And. Uh, other things to mention, their nine has changed a few times this year. Danny Levi has been injured, who was apparently going to start at nine. Xavier Savage has barely played any first grade this year. I think one game. Obviously, he had, I think, the broken draw in the, in the trial match, if not round one. Yep. They've had forwards out injured. I, I just think that – and I'm I'm one of those people that after four weeks was sitting there going, I don't think the Raiders can make the eight. I just, I just don't know if they've got the depth in their squad to handle – you know, injuries and all, all of that different um, things that can happen during a year. But, yeah, you've got yeah. to commend them, man. It's just such a Ricky Stewart side. And I love yep. the fact that there's a DNA there. Like, a lot yeah. of clubs don't have DNA. Like, they're not playing as to what the history represents, whereas the Raiders are playing like that, and I love it. Yeah. And depending on what, you know, this Origin Series brings as far as, you know, representation for the Raiders, they, they may have um, a few um, or a couple of players representing each of the states throughout that, that series. But, you know, if you look over their next sort of four to six weeks that they, they play, like this week they take on Manly at home. Mm. Uh, Manly not in great form at the moment. I think, you know, they probably win that one. Then they face a tough test against the Rabbitohs. You know, and, and this is where I said, depending on who they, they're missing um, in origin, if they have a few out, maybe they don't have a few out. I know the Rabbitohs will. Maybe they find an opportunity to get the Rabbitohs missing a couple of players mm. during that first origin camp. Then they take on the Tigers. They take on the Warriors at home. Then they got to buy. Wow. So, you know, they could possibly, possibly, if they continue to play well, of course, and, and play with the, with the form and the confidence that they've had over the last five weeks, they, they could go unbeaten for the next four weeks, Kempi. Yeah. Which, yeah. And if they do that, so let's say they... they you know, in some way, find an opportunity to win ten games in a row. They they could be sitting on top of the table mm. halfway through the season. Yeah, wow, would it be remarkable it after would, only winning one in your first five? Yeah, mate, it would be absolutely incredible. Now, let's talk about the NRL's radical change to fix contracting uh, the contracting mess. The RLPA has backed Wayne Bennett's and the NRL's plans to fix the game's current contracting system. Key mm-hmm. features of the changes would include. It would gag coaches and club officials from commenting on speculation over player movements, having clubs lodge formal offers for players in a centralised register managed by the NRL without revealing the overall value, Mm. 
It would ban players and agents from talking to rival clubs until they enter the final year of their contract, unless given permission. It given an incumbent club the last chance to negotiate with a player, restricting a development player from signing with another club until after round six of the season in the final year of the contract. What do you reckon about all this, Smithy? Wow. Well, there's a lot to digest there, Kempi. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a couple of those points there, like giving an incumbent club the last chance to negotiate with a player. Mm. I, I actually like that. Mm. Um, I do like the the opportunity for, you know, let, let, and let's just say for argument's sake, like in the Jack Whiten situation. So, you know, we're all made aware that, that the Raiders lodged an official contract or an offer with the NRL um, to, to re-sign Jack Whiten at the club. He then goes and talks with the Rabbitohs and decides he wants to go. In that situation, the opportunity to go back, the Raiders then get the opportunity to go, well, listen, we're going to bump our offer up again, mate, before you sign anywhere else. So I do I do like that. I, I like the fact that, um, you know, a player that is considering leaving um, any particular club, that, that, that particular club gets an opportunity, last say type of thing, last rights. Um, that the development player stuff, I like that as well. The issue around, uh, you know, like gagging coaches and officials, and particularly the um, banning players and agents from talking from rival clubs. How how are they going to police that? I know. How 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 in God's earth can they police anyone from talking with a rival club or rival you know club? football manager or list manager, whatever it is. How are they going to stop that? Mm. There's no, they can't do that. They, mm. Like, And I'm not saying they can't do it from a legal point of view. They physically cannot do that. Mm. Yeah. It, it would be... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Say, say, say I'm a player agent and you're a football manager of you know the Broncos and I've got a player that's playing at the Melbourne Storm but he's looking to move. How, how are the NRL and the RLPA going to police me from flying... To Brisbane, mm. you know, sending you a text message and saying, hey, mate, want to catch up for a coffee? Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to literally record the coffee conversation to have any That's evidence I mean. as to what it was spoken about. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a tough one. I I, um, I like a, a few of these changes more from a PR perspective. And what I mean by that is what I hate about contract negotiations at the moment, and I understand why clubs do it, why player managers do it, why players do it. Like everyone is just trying to make themselves look like in the best light. But I do hate at the moment where certain mistruths are kind of alluded to and a player is made to look bad because then that makes the club look better. I think if we had structure around it, for example, the last say where it's, it's official that the incumbent club gets the last say, I really like that. Because yep. then they can't pretend like, oh, well, they didn't make me an offer or... That's right. You, you know what I mean? It's it's yep. official. Like, they got yes. the last chance and they still didn't hit the mark that we were talking about. You know, it takes the vagueness out of what the current market is. And yep. and I'm just thinking of it from a fan's perspective. I, I'm not for releasing um, contract amounts at all. I think it should no. be private. Player salaries, it, of yeah. course. I don't think that it helps in any way. And I don't think that the public knowing is going to stop anyone from breaching the cap. Do you think if they're going to lie to professional auditors, they're not going to... Anyway, so yeah. that, that aside, but I do w- hope that we can get much clearer insight into the process for fans that doesn't uh, invade the privacy of the clubs and the players because I do think that the fans are kind of unfairly left out of the process and they are so invested in it. What, what do you reckon about that, Smithy? 
Yeah, no, I agree, mate. And and I think it, it hurts from a fan's point of view. I think it hurts to see players, particularly when, they, when they're when signing contracts like so far out from their end date. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when they're, when they're a season and a half away from finishing their contract and you see players doing that at the moment, um, signing with rival clubs and they've still got like a full season to play. Yeah. I think fans get a little bit upset with that situation because all you need then is that that particular player, that certain player, to have a couple of quiet games and then there's questions about their commitment mm. um, to the club. Are they, have they already left? Have they given up? They're not trying, which is, you know, it's not great for the fans, but it's not nice for that particular player too. So hopefully there's some changes around that. I do know from an from an RLPA point of view, so the the the, the the group or the union representing the players, they do talk about how um, they feel the players need um, a, a particular or a certain amount of time to be ready to make a move. Mm. So if you're moving from club to club or you, or you, or you have to relocate in a state to play for the new club, they feel as though that if you, if there's only, if there's a window at the end of the season, Kempe mm. to make these changes, it's, it's not long enough. Um, not sure whether that's the case or not, because I think people make changes quite quickly in, in other industries, um, you know, within a, a two week period. But um, yeah, it's a diff- it's a it's a difficult one. But I I do like how um, you know there's there's a little bit more sort of openness about the negotiation process, mm. um, and the, there's a little bit more understanding, you know, for the fan um, about you know where players are at with their contract, what they're thinking and, and the ability to try and for their, for their particular club to retain that, that player or, you know, that they've done their best or maybe they've decided, no, like, you know, that the offer for that player to leave is greater than what we're feeling. And so all the fans are across everything and and, and how it's been dealt with. We're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to talk about who's climbing up the Bailey ladders.